0: Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about the energy industry from Alpha Energy Group. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha, and I'm joined for my fortnightly catch up on the UK energy and commodity markets with Jason Durden, Head of Energy Markets and Risk Management at Alpha. Well, Jason, what's been happening in the gas market? I guess, gather there's been some developments there, increasing pressure on prices. What's the situation looking like?
1: Yes, Jeremy, we've seen yet another leg up as we've moved into July on uh, UK gas pricing. A number of things at uh, play really, but significant moves that are now hitting uh, big targets. We've seen uh, only this morning on the OTC market, winter 21 gas trading at 100 pence a therm. And uh, yesterday we actually saw market trading 100 pounds a megawatt for winter 21.
0: Right, and that's quite a hike at a time of year when normally, other factors being equal, one might expect uh, a gas prices to be quite attractively priced in the summer. So is this politics, is it a genuine physical tightening in the market, uh, or is it a combination of all of the above?
1: Definitely a combination, but I suspect that uh, you can't look at this in isolation. I think there are some genuine concerns over deliverability and supply. We just this morning turned into uh, russian maintenance season with the Yamal pipeline through Malno going off for four days that's 100 mcm of gas into into europe obviously why we talk about it in a uk context is that if uh, europe is short of gas they will be calling on uk or norwegian gas to uh, meet that uh, uh, shortage in the absence of lng and obviously those three sources are where the uk will compete with europe so it's still very important to understand supply that said i think prices now are at levels where they have hit these targets that we suggested they might do some months ago in the, this forum and I think it's done so. Looking at the backdrop around asset inflation, high commodity prices, markets that generally are overinflated by far too much loose money um, from central banks and uh, and governments. So I think you look at the background, which is very bullish in nature, and then you look at where short-term players are viewing, you know, worst-case scenario or maintenance schedules. I think ultimately, you know, I've yet to see the. UK gas system and power system anything other than very comfortable so far this summer Um, and yet prices do not correlate with that because there's almost like a worst case scenario being priced in on
0: forwards. Well that's a really interesting observation and of course one tends to forget the UK remains quite a big producer of its own natural gas and is relatively speaking self-sufficient during the summer months and hugely import dependent during winter and at some other times and and of course even if there's no physical shortage within the UK we're connected to international markets and if there's pressure on prices there that's where the gas is going to go and, and no more so than with LNG where Asian demand and so on can, can pull up the prices across all of. Europe, but I just wondered, you know, is there a slightly political dimension to this too with Russian gas and the availability of uh, Norwegian gas, which would otherwise be, you know, uh, balancing the market here in the UK?
1: Yeah sure. I mean the whole Russian focus this summer is really about what's been going on on Nord Stream. So I think there is the Americans have said that they will allow Nord Stream to happen by de facto effectively not by endorsing it by but not by standing in its way after the Biden administration's taken over. I understand there are some calls in Congress to uh, relook at that. So the shift away from going through Congress and having uh, executive orders that we saw through Trump, and even before Trump, seems to be continuing on. But for I suppose the Russians are really holding Europe's feet to the fire, as they would do, really. Fundamentally, they cut back on gas transit through Ukraine and various other routes to accommodate Nord Stream which should have been online more than a year ago effectively. It's now probably going to be Q1 22 before we see any. And I I suspect the Russians' complete lack of appetite to buy any additional capacity to supplement the shortfall in gas is just reminding the Germans and the Americans and the rest of the continent of Europe that Russian gas is needed, whether we like it politically or not. And actually it's time to accept that and to move forward.
0: Indeed, that's a a statement of reality rather than necessarily what one would like. It's just the situation that, of course, that has a huge impact on the markets here in the U.K. turning now to other commodities, you mentioned commodity price inflation generally. I mean, uh, you know, carbon prices remain resilient, don't they, in the U.K. only market. What's the situation there? The the spreads have narrowed, I gather, compared with comparing U.K. and E.U. um, allowance prices. Is that right?
1: Yes. So we've covered this before. We have have another little uptick on the European side of things where we're touching new highs on European carbon pricing at around 58. The European Commission is expected to come out with a statement on uh, achieving 55 middle of this month. So what we've seen, although we've seen a very stable UK auction prices, we've seen the first auction go through at 44 and it's really moved between 43 and 45 the last auction going through at the highest price so far 45 but what has happened there and your observation is quite right is the spreads where the UK started at a significant premium to EU carbon more than 10 up to 15 percent at some points it's now trading at up to a pound discount in um, equivalent terms to its European counterpart and I think really that is in definition of it's a much smaller market we've seen to cover ratios at the auctions in other words how many more bids there are than actual certificates to issue we've gone from almost a bid cover ratio of five to one of two which suggests that you know the market is a relatively small market it is dominated by our participants and this is well regulated by a, a direct link through the regulator to the government that makes the decisions effectively rather than a, a group of 27 who are always going to struggle to make timely decisions. And what does that mean? That basically means that there is no investment money or very little investment money going into UK carbon because it's much easier to trade carbon from an EU perspective and I think for, for beleaguered end users at this point that can only be celebrated as a tri- of uh, of uh, the UK regulator and, and the scheme at this point.
0: Well, I guess that's a sort of partial vote of confidence in the UK market, at least as far as carbon is concerned, but if you add relatively robust carbon prices and increasingly firm gas prices, that has a profound impact on the UK power market, as dependent as it is on gas as, you know, the marginal source of power. And and how are things looking with um, not just short-term power prices here in the UK, but on the forward curve as well?
1: Yeah, so very interesting to look at what's going on. What we have seen is we've seen this so... The carbon story, before gas got up and running, so the first quarter of this year and certainly the last quarter of last year, the story was all about carbon. Power was outperforming gas by you know a significant margin in terms of its bullish uh, sentiment. What we've seen is gas has obviously dominated since uh, well Q1, but more recently its performance in Q2 has been exceptional. Power has been has to merely reflect the cost of its input costs, so it too has has gone up. And as I said, we saw 100 pounds uh, a megawatt hour trade for winter 21 only yesterday. But its performance in terms of it, it is lagging the uh, increase in gas prices by a margin, and obviously the relative stability of carbon is is helping it. The structure of it, we're still seeing very high balancing prices, which is a concern. We're seeing high spot prices and forward, uh, near-month forward prices. We're seeing record power prices for summer delivery. Obviously, there's a little bit of room to go on these winters before we're touching the 2008 levels. But I think power was the story at the end of last year and the beginning of this year. And I think uh, gas has been the outperformer, really, since, uh, since Q2 but you know we are talking about record power prices and and for most people that's going to translate into you know significant upswings in uh, their costs as we move into the last quarter of the year and into 2022
0: Well, quite, and that might be a a subject of some concern, to put it mildly, for consumers. And it might seem counterintuitive. After all, we've got an awful lot of very low marginal cost, renewable generation capacity on the system, Uh, none more so than wind, which has the ability to provide many, many gigawatts of power to the UK when the wind is blowing. But as we've experienced in in recent weeks, sometimes that output here and elsewhere in Europe has been remarkably low. So what's that doing to balancing costs? And and what's balancing the system? Is it really low carbon when wind is at low levels of output?
1: Well, we're seeing some counterintuitive stuff, Jeremy, really forced by the prices. So the cost of uh, uh, and there's a little bit of uh, post- EU extraction uh, of the UK system from the balancing uh, the European balancing scheme here, but it's both on on gas and specifically power. The movement of gas and, and power between our EU neighbours has become more difficult, less. Uh, the auctions are now almost, um, you know, aren't within the EU system and therefore the prices have got much higher. Uh, it's been an opportunity for generators to, uh, to optimise their running, shall we say. And only this week, despite a relatively relaxed power system we are seeing coal generators and inefficient open cycle gas turbine operators choosing to run not because they are needed to run but because financially it is in their interest you know now darks and sparks are still suggesting that you wouldn't be running coal but of course you know uh, coal has become increasingly more subsidized and there are you know payments made to coal fire stations but at the same time we are running coal in the summer when it's not really needed because it is financially beneficial for those uh, operators to run with prices where they are at the moment and that has to be counterintuitive and that's Direct result of uh, not being uh, having enough dispatchable power to sort of uh, calm the uh, volatility in these prices.
0: Well, that's a suitably important if slightly disturbing note on on which to end. Thank you, Jason. As you say, using coal or older open cycle gas less efficiently to uh, back up wind is not the kind of low carbon system we're supposed to be heading towards. So let's see if there's progress on that front in due course. Well, I hope you found that interesting. Certainly I did. Uh, I'm not sure whether we should be reassured or concerned by your remarks, uh, Jason, but interesting either way. So do look out for another podcast again soon. In the meantime, do have a look at our website, alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK. You're welcome to have a look at our reports there and do join us again as soon as we return to this subject.